better than this guys vegan dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on it's joe marino and kyle Krabs from the draft network and we are your hosts here on this thursday edition of the show two more nfl draft prospects we're going to dig into today just like we did yesterday kyle welcome thank you joe for the wonderful introduction uh we got two exciting guys i think guys two guys that should be first round picks i don't know if they both will be considering positional value, and that'll be an interesting discussion for both of these players. But I think based on the skill set they provide, both of these guys are first-round caliber players. And probably player one at their position. Um, All right, so shall we? Did you have any BS to get into here here at the beginning, or are you ready to roll? No, I'm ready. Okay, all right. I've been pretty – I've been hot on this Super Bowl snack thing. This chart that came out, it's been grinding my gears about like, oh, I didn't see it. What trash oh, did they put out now? It's so annoying. It's like the most popular Super Bowl recipes in every state. And the foundation for compiling the data is Google Trends. Like what is the most uniquely searched Super Bowl recipe by state in the past week? And it is just it's just all wrong. Every bit of it's completely wrong. Mostly because I think the only answer is pizza, right? Everybody's eating pizza at the Super Bowl, and there's just garbage answers across the entire United States. Starting with jalapeno peppers or jalapeno poppers in the state of North Carolina, of which I've never seen served at anything in this state in my entire life. To be fair, jalapeno poppers are really good. They are wonderful, but you know what? They're not available at any Super Bowl party I've ever attended. What are you doing this? What are you doing this weekend? I was having a Super Bowl party. I was thinking about maybe having some jalapeno poppers. Was that a hypothetical question, or do you want my real plans? Well, now I want your real plans because you made. Now I'd feel bad if I said no. So yeah, what are you doing? It's watching the Super Bowl at my house. Nice, nice. My daughter's first Super Bowl. You know. Jeez, it's a big what, day. What was you, what you were born? What year were you born? I need to know this right now. Actually, eighty nine. 89. So the Super Bowl, the year you were born in 1989. But I was, was born in April, so I wasn't alive for it. Okay. So you were alive for the 1990 Super Bowl? Was the My first, first Super Bowl was the 1990 Super Bowl. Which was the, oh, no, no. I'm not talking about it. Uh-oh. Is this the Bills Giants? Yeah, you son of a pup. Yikes. So the New you York. Need to see it. Bill Parcells. Bill Belichick won the Super Bowl. As a defensive coordinator, mm. first in your first one, mine. Uh, let's see, your mind was freaking Giants as well. They beat the Broncos, nineteen eighty-seven. Was that list shellacking? It was like forty-two to ten or something like that. Th- Thirty-nine to twenty. Um, okay, so not the one I was thinking of. Yeah. What was the one that that Denver lost like forty-nine to ten? I mean that they lost forty-two to ten the next year to Washington. Okay, so that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. So there you go. There's the there, everyone should look up the first Super Bowl that was played while you were alive, uh, so that way you can commemorate like we have. And of course, of course, Kyle freaking Krabs has a Bills loss in the Super Bowl to start his life. Well, Bills <laughs> don't know anything other than Super Bowl losses. Unfortunately. Just, hey, Kyle, Bill stands for boy. I love losing Super Bowls. Da-da, da-da. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Isaiah Simmons. You done? You yeah, done? I'm done. I'm over okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Isaiah Simmons first today. Yeah. 
the question with Isaiah Simmons, linebacker from Clemson, is where do you play him? And quite frankly, Joe, I don't care where you play him. As long as he goes to a team that is not going to try to put him in a box and ask him to be one thing, we have seen plenty of versatile defenders, whether it's Derwin James or Miles Jack in recent years, who line up all over the defense, come in and they have success because elite athletes tend to make this transition pretty well. And it's not like Isaiah Simmons, in my opinion, has any issues with his football intelligence. And the fact that he does so much is a testament to his football intelligence. So, I mean, just kind of setting the table for that discussion, that's going to be the narrative with him. And and I don't care. I don't know about you, but I don't care. Yeah, he just plays defense, right? And he do- and that's the thing is he's versatile, and there's a lot of versatile football players out there. But Isaiah Simmons is kind of like the new standard, right? Just because they're literally anywhere on the back seven, I mean, he's phenomenal. Whether that's one high safety, split zones, playing in the box as a linebacker, as a true will, or a Mike, or heck, I mean, he even led Clemson in sacks this past year because he's such an effective blitzer. So I think what you have to do is you have to, like you said, not box him in, not label him anything, get him on the field and help him neutralize offenses. And I think his skill set is perfectly engineered for doing just that. So what's his ideal base role for you? I'm playing, I probably play him at, at will linebacker on in my base defense. That's where I want him. And then I just, I play the matchups when it comes to, you know, subs. If I want to play him in the slot over a certain tight end or receiver, uh, if I want to have his range on the back end in certain situations, I, I think I just my base. I like him at will, but otherwise, just let me let me let me cause a problem for you with my defensive weapon. Mm-hmm. What about That's you? Smart, um, man. I'd lo- I'd love to give him a crack at Mike eventually. Think about the athleticism that he has, the length that he has. You know this pretty well, Joe Termaine Emmons. Yeah and the athleticism and length that he brings and the ways that that can impact the middle of the field. I think he's smart enough to do it, but that's probably more of a long-term proposition uh, because he, he's been, he has not been exposed to a lot of repetitions just as a true Mike. He's, he thrives on the second level, but it, it's much more of a, attack mode instead of read and react mode. So I think the will gives him the opportunity to just be a pure ball hunter. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you on that perspective. Um, And I I wouldn't hate strong safety either, to be honest with you. Uh, If you're going to play a ton of cover three and he's a guy that's not going to be tasked with a lot of deep zone coverages, I think strong safety uh, and, and zone coverage can really uh, be an area that he makes an impact with his wingspan and ability to impact zone coverage and underneath routes. You could blitz him. I think he's got to go to an attack defense. So so much yeah. less about a, a specific, I want him at Will or I want him at Mike. I want him in attack mode. So teams that run a lot of base pressures with with organic pressures and four-man front, like that's not, not going to be for him. Right. He's going to have to go somewhere aggressive where they like to dial up the heat create a bunch of blitzes and create a lot of confusion because you don't know on any given play, whether Simmons is going to drop or he's going to come. What I like so much about your comments there about Mike linebacker is because so much of what these NFL offenses are doing is they're putting that Mike in a bind, right? Whether that's the RPO stuff, misdirection, obviously play action is always difficult. 
Um, and, and they're really trying to create the spacing advantages. And, and when you have a guy like Simmons who 6'4", 230 pounds, I'm sure he's going to have 33 plus inch arms. That type of length with that type of mobility. You mentioned Tremaine Edmonds, who I really appreciate what he's able to do in coverage and how he clogs up lanes and can get depth in his coverage drops. But Simmons is another caliber of athlete. Like, and Edmonds, that's not a knock on Edmonds. Simmons is just a rare, rare dude. So I just feel like that's so perfect for taking away some of that conflict that NFL offenses thrive on putting these Mike backers in. And that, that kind of gets me excited. Yeah, I think that's because. When Miles Jack came out, they're they're different caliber statures, right? And we don't really know what Miles Jack's yeah. testing would have been. Crazy, right? But he was widely regarded as an elite athlete who kind of did all the same things. And it was the medical stuff with his knee that ended up dropping him to the second round more than anything else. But the narrative was very much there. Where do you play him? And you've got a similarly special athlete that can similarly create a lot of mismatches and serve you so many different ways on defense, but he's taller and longer. And and Miles has done well for himself fitting into a a, a mic role. And and obviously some of that has to do with uh, his football intelligence. But again, Simmons handling all of the responsibilities and roles that he does tells me he's got it. You've just got to, you know, maybe take your lumps with him initially or be more flexible with him before you try and work him into that base role in the middle. You had mentioned an attack style defense will be important for him. And I think that really does speak to what Brett Venables was able to do with him at Clemson really dialing into everything that he brings to the table and using him in ways that he can be aggressive, whether that's playing one high and breaking on a football or blitzing a gap. He, they, he, he put him in those positions to, to be successful. And what I really appreciate about Simmons is how much better he got this year. I think he was a good player last year, and we saw that particularly in the mm-hmm. playoffs. So he made a lot of very dynamic plays. But I remember you and I had some conversations uh, personally over the summer about Simmons, and you were, you were earlier on loving him than I was just because I said, man – I think he's really unique. I'm just not sure he has a specific role. I don't, you know, I, I need to see him process quicker. And then that's what I loved about this year. It didn't matter. No, didn't matter what he was asked to do. He performed like it was his job, right? That like that was his primary function. And, and so I really appreciate how much better he got this year. Um, and just the more confidence that I have gained from studying his tape and believing that he can do similar things in the NFL. All right, so what are some teams that you think make sense? What do we know about the – I mean, do we know enough about what the Giants are going to do defensively? No. Who's their – I don't even know who their defensive coordinator is. i got to find that out right now. It's Patrick Graham who was in Miami last year. Okay, so you should be able to speak to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was hard to really get a gauge on – uh, Graham had a history with Brian Flores in New England before he went and was the linebackers coach in Green Bay before he came to Miami to be Flores' defensive coordinator. Miami's personnel was just like so... You had the opportunity to get answers for certain personnel, but I don't know how confident I feel speaking to what Miami wants to do because of how bad the roster was, if that makes sense. So we don't, we don't, I mean, if, if it's, if we just say, okay, Patrick Graham is peak Flores 
Belichick. And if he has the personnel to do it, that's what he's going to run. How yes. do you envision, you envision Simmons very well in that defense, right? Yes, because I would peg Miami as, you know, Flores has talked at length about he wanting players who can do a number of different things. And that was a big problem with Minka Fitzpatrick and why Minka Fitzpatrick wind his way out of Miami is because he didn't want to be moved around so much. He just wanted to, to play single high free safety. And uh, instead Flores was asking him to kind of serve a role that I could see Isaiah Simmons playing, which is, you know, playing some back end stuff, but also then dropping down and being a linebacker on the second level in, in sub packages and, and covering tight ends and man to man coverage. So like, I think if, if Patrick Graham in New York, with Joe Judge being the head coach, another Patriots disciple, if they're going to, you know, be an apple that's not falling far from the Belichickian tree, I think both uh, New York and Miami are spots that make a lot of sense as far as the versatility that they're looking for. I'm going to go in a crazy direction right here. Okay. okay. So okay. You, you, you kind of, you gave me the segue that I was kind of going to build in myself, but you did it yourself. You said Miami would be a good fit for him. And we just agreed that the Giants would. And so that, to me, would also make the Lions a really good fit with Matt mm-hmm. Patricia and the, the Belichick tree, right? There's that that row there of three, four, and five of Belichick disciples. Now, now let's get really weird, Kyle. Um, all right, so Joe Burrow goes number one to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Washington Red, Redskins draft Chase Young. The Detroit Lions trade away Matthew Stafford. They say, hey, we're picking number three. We're going to reset this quarterback thing. Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, buy a little bit more time. And they love Tua or Justin Herbert. doesn't matter. Okay? Okay. Okay. And then the Carolina Panthers orchestrate a deal with the New York Giants to get in front of the Miami Dolphins. And they get the other quarterback. So we're, we're, we're at pick number five here. And a, a total nightmare scenario for the Miami Dolphins. Burrow, Tua, Herbert, all gone. Simmons yeah, take, the pick? Take Justin Simmons or trade back. So that's the question. Now you have a. This is you kind of alluded towards this at the beginning of our discussion, right? We get into positional value, and so is Simmons the type of player that you would trade away from at that point in the draft? Because I think we can all we can we can agree that all of those spots right there are, are very logical for Simmons. Even the Panthers at number seven, who I mean, all of a sudden their defense is really weird with Luke Kuechly no longer in the mix. Do you trade away from Isaiah Simmons? Can you do it? I think you can do it depending on how far down you drop because of the rest of the talent elsewhere in the draft. If you have a crazy run of three quarterbacks with the first four picks Mm -hmm. and you're Miami and you're sitting there and you've got a need at corner with Jeff Okuda still on the board, you've got Mm -hmm. a need at linebacker with Isaiah Simmons still on the board, you could technically draft Derek Brown as well, he'd be a tremendous fit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in what you want to do defensively. You still have every offensive tackle on the board. Like, if you get a good offer, like, yeah, I'd, ba- I'd bounce back and I, I would double dip and get even more picks. You know, maybe a team like Jacksonville really wants Isaiah Simmons. And they've got nine in, was it nine and 19? Nine and nine and 20. So is it Miami gives you five for nine 20 and then Miami also sends you like 36. So, I mean, I, I don't think you have to draft Isaiah Simmons in that scenario. 
Imagine not liking the NFL draft because this is the stuff that you could talk about and it's like fun, but it's also like not that crazy. Right. It's what never say never for anything, anything at all. What a thrill. Uh, anything else on Simmons? I mean, anything that concerns you about his projection to the next level? I kind of think he can add some functional strength and get a little bit stronger to help him sift through traffic a little bit more minor gripe type stuff. But I don't really, you know, when I try to poke holes in Isaiah Simmons, I really kind of come up empty. No, he's good. Period. Yeah. Point blank. Period. The oldest McKelvin, right, Cal? Yeah. I hope you're proud of me for that. Was I supposed to get that reference? I didn't know if that was a stretch. Yeah. Oh, wow. Imagine. Well, it's not really a pop culture reference. It's a Leotis. It's a, it's Buffalo, a, it's Bills a Buffalo Bills reference. Yeah, so, so I got it. You got had it. to get that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. Good football player. Um, man, I, I 5'10", 217 pounds. Really productive. Uh, 2,000 yards rushing this year. He had three consecutive seasons of over 1,000 yards for Ohio State. 5,104 yards and 43 touchdowns in three seasons. And two of those, he wasn't even like necessarily the primary guy like he was this past year. And I just love the growth, Kyle, from from J.K. Dobbins. Kind of came out of 2018 with maybe some questions about how dynamic is he? Does he catch the football well enough? Um, you know, is he really a complete player? And I thought 2019 just answered all of the questions. And he really fulfilled the promise that he had as a big-time recruit uh, in high school and you know, I think that he's got a really strong claim to be the number one running back in this class. If you love vision, contact balance, burst, then you get that from J.K. Dobbins. And one of my favorite things that really I think just speaks to how natural J.K. Dobbins is, is whenever there's a hole available and a player flashes quickly, just how naturally and, and decisively he responds to those moments. And it seems like he's just always right. He does such a good job of making his blocks right. And, and I just feel like He's such a clean tr- uh, projection to the next level. He caught the, f- you know, he became a, a better receiver this year as well, in my opinion. So I think when you look, when you're looking for a back that you say can can he do everything, I think you get all that plus the vision and contact balance at a really high level. Yeah, I thought the the biggest thing that he showed me was a lot more dynamic ability as a runner this past year. Where mm-hmm. 2018, I know he was banged up a little bit, and you. He was pretty stale as, as far as his cuts and his juice and his burst in short spaces. And um, this year was just a totally different animal. And I really liked what you said about making his blocks right. Uh, he, he's really patient pressing the line of scrimmage. Um, I think he's the most well-rounded back, to be honest with you. I, I think he really checks a lot of boxes for uh, a lot of different rushing concepts because he's got good vision. Mm-hmm. He's got good anticipation. He's got good feet. So you can, you can put him in zone concepts and you're confident that he's going to be able to bounce and, and peel back inside of a lane. Uh, he runs with leverage and power because he's short and stout and he's dense. So I really don't feel like there's, there's a lot that he can't do to be honest. I love his frame. I love these, and like I don't wouldn't call them fire hydrants, but kind of like fire hydrants to be honest with you. Short, stocky, dense guys that also have the 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 elusiveness that you're looking for. And what that really creates is a compact runner, a guys that can they can do a lot to make players miss, but it's not overly. It's just not so. That's not leggy and like just all these body parts everywhere. You know, I I love when you can put 
all of those traits into a package like J.K. Dobbins because they're just a pain in the ass to bring down because they have such a low center of gravity and they generate so much force, right? It's just like this ball of muscle hitting you. And he's he, he gives you that plus elusive traits, plus burst, and plus then kind of that built-in leverage. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you feel about his pass catching? I thought he made some good catches this year. Um, I think when I think about his receiving skill set, I my big, my bigger questions come from his route running. Not not as much as his hands. I thought his hands were okay. Um let's talk let's talk where he falls in this class because I I think his synopsis as a player is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. I think he's scheme transcendent. Uh, I think he's a three down caliber back. The question is positional value. DeAndre Swift is still here. Clyde Edwards Hilaire has made a big rise yeah. in recent weeks. Jonathan Taylor, depending on who you ask, could be in this conversation. So so where is he for you? How realistic do you think a ceiling is for the first round versus uh, a guy that's going to go probably top 50? Well, I, I, to me, he's probably going to be my RB1. Um, he'll have he'll have a first round grade from me. Pegging him is difficult. Um, the Miami Dolphins are a team that need a running back. I guess I just have a hard time with, you know, kind of their entire landscape of needs and the depth of the running back class seemingly every year, and really using one of these premium picks on a back. Now the good news is they have so many premium picks, so it kind of makes sense. You can get behind it because like, oh, whatever, you use 18 on J.K. Dobbins, you're still going to get a meaningful p- player at all the high picks they have coming up right after that. So I, I think you start talking about him at 18, um, maybe 14 to the Bucks. That would surprise me. Uh, you think about a team like Tennessee, if they were to lose Derrick Henry, didn't want to pay him, I think they'll probably franchise tag him. Uh, but you know, you, you'd feel okay about him walking out the door if you're able to get JK Dobbins in the draft. And then Mm -hmm. I also think about Kansas city at, at wherever they are 31 or 32 and feel like, you know, they're a team that they still need some help on defense. Um, they'll, they got better on defense. Juan Thornhill, uh, is going to be a big time player for them on the back end. And they have some other young pieces that I'm excited about. They have other draft capital. Is this the type of, of investment that you make to say, Hey, the strength of our team is our offense, right? Like no, let's make no mistake about it. Let's keep that at a high, high, high level and give Patrick Mahomes, you know, kind of everything they lost and maybe more in Kareem Hunt by giving them J.K. Dobbins. So when I think about landing spots in the first round, those are those are the ones that come into mind. Um, otherwise, I kind of have a hard time with some of the other needs that exist. And, and of course, we're talking draft before free agency. We are going to forget about certain needs that these teams have based on what happens in free agency. So that will shift this discussion. But as we approach it today, uh, with kind of all of the needs on the table, those are my most logical spots in my mind. Kansas City, I think, just makes so much sense. And I know that's not a popular pick, and and they want a corner. Chiefs fans want a corner, at least. But I I really liked what you said as far as this is the identity of our team. Let's invest in what we're good at. Let's not... uh, You need balance, right? But I also think in a really deep corner class, Kansas City should have no problem finding other opportunities. 
to get a corner that can be an immediate contributor. But to get a three down back like Dobbins and, and drawing the line that you did with Kareem Hunt and, and how good Hunt was when he was there uh, before his career has kind of gotten derailed with uh, some pretty egregious missteps off the field, they looked unstoppable. Yeah. And no disrespect to Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy at this point in his career. But Dobbins changes the game for Kansas City with pass catching out of the backfield yep. and his and and his rushing ability. So I think that's the spot for me that you know I've had a hard time finding and pegging landing spots for running backs. Realistically, I can see Miami going with a running back in the first round. I wouldn't like it, but if the team has three first round picks and they use their third one on a running back because they desperately need an upgrade in the running game, like, yeah, okay, I can get behind that. But Kansas City is the team that, like, if there was ever a team that could afford a luxury pick to draft a, a running back to just become a totally rigged, this is the scenario. <laughs> yeah. That's and, the one that makes the most sense to me. And you mentioned the the corners that, you know, they have a need at corner. And you know, they have the second and third round pick as well. And there's some depth to this corner class that I think you, know, you can double dip at cornerback. And you know, they have some probably some questions on the offensive line long term if they want to start the answer. but just keep your offense elite with playmakers and just go keep trying to win the Super Bowl every year with it. I, I think I can get behind it. I know we're going to get yelled at it by a few Chiefs fans, and hopefully they forget about that after they win the Super Bowl on Sunday. But uh, it's it, you're right. It just it makes a lot of sense. So is that it? any parting thoughts? Um, I guess I'm excited to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit tomorrow, right? We haven't really touched on yeah, it. Yeah, that'll, like that'll be our sh- show tomorrow. We'll get the Super Bowl show in, and Monday we'll react and get a mock draft coming out from yours truly. So, Oh, do you have Monday? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go crazy with the trades, though. You're going to or you're not going to? I'm going to. Good, because the NFL does, so that would make sense. Right. I mean, we're, we're going to be moving and shaking all over the board. Trev did on Monday, and he had some weird stuff. I critiqued it in my six-pack Thursday today, but when he had the Colts trading back into the first round for Neville Gallimore, I was like, brother, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it's the flu games coming back. Um, Colts could use that kind of guy, though. Right. With all fairness also, to the Colts. They have, like, pick 34, and, I mean, uh, keep your Go draft get your guy. Go get no, your guy, man. Get 34 and get Blacklock or Matabuik or even oh, Gallimore. So you're on the train with both those guys, huh? Oh, I'm in on Blacklock in a big way. Um, Matabuik, if he keeps that engine revved up, brother, he's really dynamic. Yeah, man, he's a lot of fun. Yeah, Look forward to talking about those guys soon. That's going to do it for us today on the show. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. As we said, tomorrow we're previewing the Super Bowl, make some picks. And uh, talk matchups. It's a really interesting clash in styles, and I think we're going to have a, a, a really uh, healthy and productive conversation there, and hopefully we come to the same conclusion, Joe, because I'd love to be on your team this weekend. Oh, okay. Well, I have a I have a very defined rooting interest. I'll let you know tomorrow who I'm picking. All right, very good. It sounds great. So come back and find out who it is. Come back, find out who I'm picking. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draftees Podcast.